but it just wasn't like no big ah moments or yay moments. It was so just, it's just like, realistic. It's just realistic, which like, is yes, good. Yes, they deserve to die, and I hope <laughs> they, burn they burn it. Down. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like that's not very realistic, but that was awesome. <laughs> Pulp Fiction. This is the one where we review the much buzzed about probable Oscar contender, maybe at this point, Oscar frontrunner, Moonlight. Uh, this movie has been getting all kinds of buzz, and we are going to run it down today. The synopsis is this. If you don't know what Moonlight is, it's the timeless story of a human connection and self-discovery. Moonlight chronicles the life of a young black man from childhood to adulthood as he struggles to find his place in the world while growing up in a rough neighborhood of Miami. It's a story told in three parts, and uh, let's check out the trailer. <laughs> what's, you, what's you looking at me like that for? What, man? Come on, you just drove down here? Yeah. Where's you, Sharon? Come on, son. Try not to remember. Try to forget all those times. At some point, you gotta decide for yourself who you're gonna be. Can't let nobody make that decision for you. Tell him why the other boys kick his ass all the time. What's wrong? I'm good. No. I'm seeing good. And you ain't it. Remember the last time I saw you? You're my only. I'm your only. Oh, no, 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 no. You gon' listen. To who, Ma? Huh? To you? Who is you, man? I ain't seen you in like a decade. It's not what I expected. What did you expect? Thank you, Jacob. So I am Brandon Rabar, joined as always by my co-host, Jacob Crisip and Rachel Jamison. Let's just dive right into this. This movie, critics adore it, but what does Pulp Fiction think of it? Your initial thoughts of it, Jacob. Well, I just walked out of it about like an hour ago. Oh, so you didn't like it. You walked out of it. How far did oh. you make it into it? Get it? Walked out of it? Yeah, that was... Like walked out of it. Like it sucked. Oh, you I got it. it. Stop. Okay. Yeah, we're good. <laughs> <laughs> if you think explain your jokes, usually... <laughs> I don't know, the Spruce one was pretty funny. Yeah. Anyway... <laughs> Anyone listening won't get that. <laughs> but when we listen to it years from now, we'll be like, oh, yeah, the spruce joke. Already off to a good start. Yeah. Yep. Sorry, guys. Um, I, I mean, I really enjoyed it. I mean, I, as a white heterosexual male, I really identified with nothing in this movie. But as far as storytelling goes and tech, you know, technically skilled and acting and 
I mean, all the things that we look for in great cinema, this movie has a lot of that. Right, has, yeah. I pretty, every part of it. I mean, there are a lot of things to take away from this movie. I thought it was really good. <laughs> Rachel, your thoughts on, on Moonlight? This is, it's in contention for my number one movie of the year. Which, but it is, it is easily the best, the most well-made movie of the year, I think, for sure. I really liked it. I also didn't identify it with it, but... Um, I thought it was really good and I thought it was really interesting. One thing that I'm sure Jacob will talk about more are the camera angles, which I actually noticed in this movie. Um, Very intimate. Yes. And suffocating at times. Yes. When intentionally though. Yeah. Um, The acting was outstanding in it. I don't know. We'll get around to all these things, but I really liked it. I liked it a ton. Yeah, this is uh, I'm, I'm going to jump in and, and agree with, with both of you. Uh, I thought it was a great movie. It's it's probably at this point there's many more Oscar contending movies to come out for the rest of the year, but right now it's probably my number two of the year behind Sing Street. Uh, the director is Barry Jenkins, and he wrote the screenplay along with Terrell McRaney. The movie is based on a play that this. I did a little research. This guy, Terrell, myself. Uh, this guy, Terrell McCraney, uh wrote a play. It was kind of like a, a kind of a small play, not really much hype or anything about it. But those who knew of it really, really liked it a lot, and it got passed to Barry Jenkins, and he identified with it. Uh, as a matter of fact, whoever passed along to him said, "Hey, this kind of reminds me of you." So he was not a white middle-class male no no heterosexual no uh he he actually grew up in the same rough area in miami that uh you know our main character in this movie uh grew up in he also had a a crack addict mom just like the main character in this in this movie and it was from what i've read the guy who wrote the screenplay or who wrote the play it was kind of based around not exactly his life but he kind of grew up in that neighborhood and had a lot of the same things so they kind of bonded over this wrote the screenplay and uh made this movie and it's kind of become the the little movie that could of the oscar season i i thought it was great i thought it was brilliant honestly yeah. it's it's unlike anything we've ever seen that's for right. sure um it's what i told rachel uh, off air is uh, it was kind of like the uh, biography of Omar Little from The Wire, um, <laughs> <laughs> a, a gay oh, black yeah. man who becomes like a powerful drug dealer, but he's got a soft, sensitive heart at his core. Yeah, he just didn't whistle like Farmer in the Dale. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that would have been pretty badass though. This guy was even more jacked nice than, than yeah, it would have been. Oh, he was way more jacked than Omar. Yeah, he was. Uh, let's let's get into the uh, the aspect of it that I thought was really really cool. It tells the story from three very distinct uh, story points from the time that uh, he was a small boy, little. I'd say about 10 years apart for each storyline, right? Little boy being like what, eight years old? Yeah, probably about... Yeah, yeah, I would say he was probably nine or 10. Yeah, Yeah. I'd say that. I guess old enough to be picked on. Yeah. But I guess eight, what is that, like second grade? But not not aware of... His sexuality right. or, or anything like that. Then yeah. a confused teenage kid. Yeah, that was I was real. I thought that was the best segment personally, as far as like intense build up things like that. Yeah. And then, sorry. Oh no, you're fine. Uh, then when he was an adult, uh, and it's kind of all come full circle. He's mm-hmm. he's changed his life and has become this completely different person. But is that who he really wants to be? Is that really who he is, or is that a facade? 
uh, and we've seen what shaped him up to this point. And you really identify with this kid, even though you said, you know, you said that you don't identify with him. I guess you sympathize uh, with this character so much because you see where he came from. You see his struggles. And it's an interesting thing because this character doesn't really speak much. He's a really quiet, kind of introverted character. In all three segments, that's mm-hmm. really how he is. Yeah. He's saying a lot, not with his with his words, but you know, through his actions and his face and, and how he reacts to all the situations around him. Um, but I thought it was a really sympathetic, strong character. Let's break down the, the three parts, just the three actors alone. So in the first part, it's Alex R. Hibbert, who plays Little. Mm-hmm. And let me, let me double check this, because I must have blinked and missed the second, the number two. Is it just Sherrod at that point? Yeah, two, yeah, and then yeah. three is black. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yes. Yeah. All right. That's why I assumed it was when I saw the third part. So anyway, I just want to double check. All right. So Alex R. Hibbert, uh, the first scene. Look, as always, we spoil here, which uh, here on Pulp Fiction, which we've already spoiled. Yeah, we've already. Of yeah. Crackhead mom. <laughs> um, but uh, you know, uh, Mahershala Ali is well done. I, well, thank you. Uh, is <laughs> I would have accepted Hottie. <laughs> um, he is. Oh, yeah. I'll say like the the fatherly. <laughs> okay. Oh, <laughs> yeah, hottie. Right. He, he's, hottie. Like, he's like the fatherly figure, <laughs> somewhat. You yes. know, for uh, young, I guess little. Yeah. In this first part of the story, um, I've seen him in other another. I guess movies. We've seen him all over the place as a smaller role. He's been in a lot and of. I different really things. liked him in this. Man, he, he was, was good. He was my favorite character in the whole movie. Me oh, too. Man, I just, Me I don't too. Know, you know, just, he plays one, by the you way. Know, when you play yeah. like the, gosh, and I really wanted to avoid bringing up the wire, but there are so many great things to take away from the wire when you're put in fine urban settings, and even though you have hard men, you know they show a responsible side to themselves. If they're dr- if they're dealing drugs, that's what they do to survive. But it's nice to see like a a warmth or a heart to them. They're not just right. stone cold killers yes. as they can often be portrayed. Yeah. Right. Very easily cliched. Right. 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 And so in this role, yeah, we do have a, you know, hardcore, you know, gangster, if you will. I mean, he's um, a drug dealer. Yeah. But decides to take on this little boy, you know, and raise him as best he can and what he knows. Um, love that character. Love that role. Mm-hmm. As far as a little boy goes, it's hard to dissect a, you know, a child actor, which I'm very hard on usually, especially when they don't talk much. So maybe that was to his advantage. Yeah, but I, agree. I thought that this actor in particular, and I doubt he's been in anything else. Um, no, he's been in nothing else. Right. So, but I thought he did a really good job. He did. I mean, like he really did. You, you and this this all has to do with the story and what 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 uh, Rachel uh, touched on, which is like the camera work. You know, being really in our faces. I mean, we're really like what I said, intimate. We're really kind of. I don't know, you're kind of trapped inside the environment. Even if it's a small little apartment that he lives with his mother or whatever, you still feel trapped inside of that, and you mm-hmm. kind of feel a little bit of that emotion. Yeah. Well, I think the character felt trapped, and I think we were supposed to feel that. Right. I mean, obviously. Uh, as far as that segment goes, since we're still talking about that one, the standout scene in the entire movie, to me, uh, and really the turning point in a lot of ways, was when Little walked all the way to Juan's house uh and and they they're sitting at the the dining room table, and he asks Juan what a faggot is. Oh yeah, and that was harsh. Yeah, that scene stood out to me. It was it was difficult to watch, but you respected. He just wanted to be real with the kid because the kid is not getting good information from his mom. Right. He wanted him to know that it's okay. Like he handled it so well, but he didn't 
I mean, he was ashamed that he was a drug dealer, right. but like Jacob said, they just, some people do what they have to do. It doesn't make him a bad person, but he was ashamed of that after that because he knew this kid looked up to him and I don't know, that was... He, Juan was already my favorite feels. character in the movie up to that point, and that scene really sealed it for me because of like he said, didn't sugarcoat it. He, didn't sh- he was honest with him, but he was warm. He was sweet and and loving to him uh, because it was a little boy. He, these were concepts. He under, his mom obviously called him a faggot. He's trying to understand. Okay, so you're a drug dealer. You sold drugs to my mom. What does this mean about you? What does this mean about my mom? What does this mean about me? Right. And Juan was so good with it all, and then. And then really probably the most powerful was when Little walked off because he's having to process this and it hurts him. And you see Juan's reaction and it just breaks his heart. Well, soul crushing was the word I wrote down. Yes. Yeah. Because one, we don't know if we're going to see Juan again, which as it turned out, we didn't. Right. Um, But that doesn't mean that Little didn't see Juan again. So. Well, right. Which we find out in the second act. But, you know, at the time when it happens, you hear him close the door. It's like, you mean like I said, he was just soul crushing. He was, yeah. And I agree that was a great scene, but I also really enjoyed that when they both went out and he taught him how to swim. That was yeah, awesome. That was, that was yeah. cool too, too because, you yeah. know, building trust for a little boy who obviously doesn't have any. Yes. And uh, so that was kind of cool. And, you know, what really stinks is that you can't help as a viewer wanting, wondering if you can trust Juan yet. Oh, yeah, so absolutely. That scene really helped, but still you weren't sure. It wasn't until I felt that Little approached him on a question he felt he could ask him, really, too. What's a faggot and are you, you know, are, do you sell drugs? Right. Um, where you kind of realize Juan is a human. He's as good as he can be. Yes. And he's, he's safe in this movie. I've been here a long time. I'm from Cuba. A lot of black folks in Cuba. You wouldn't know that from being here, though. I was a wild little shorty, man. Just like you. Running around with no shoes on, the moon was out. This one time, I run by this old, this old lady. I was running, hollering, cutting a food, boy. This old lady, she stopped me. She said, Running around, catching a boy that light. In moonlight, black boys look blue. You blue. That's why I go call you. Blue. Say your name, Blue. some point you gotta decide for yourself who you gonna be. Can't let nobody make that decision for you. You're right though, because you do wonder up to that point, uh, because we know he's a drug dealer and we don't really know, you know, what are his intentions fully with this kid? Or is he gonna end up being a bad influence? Is he gonna bring him up to be a fellow drug dealer, you know, whatever. Uh but that wasn't that wasn't the case. One thing about this story, like it does not give you much on telling you its emotions right mm-hmm. so especially with especially with sharon yeah throughout the entire movie whether it's little sharon or blackie like it's so hard to get any kind of emotion out of him so we're having to read it through their body language or you know things like that or yeah. really just other characters right. yeah um and that made it really hard i'm not saying it, i disliked it it just you really had to focus on other little things to yeah it was build this it was together. subtle yeah yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, and a special shout out before we move on to Juan's girlfriend, Teresa, who is a hottie and also a really warm, great character to and a mother figure that he needs that that a little needs. Uh, her name is Janelle Monet. Janelle Monet. Yeah, she's my new yeah. crush. Yeah, me Go too, on. dude. Me too, dude. Go listen to her music. Yeah, she's, apparently she's if, a musician. Yeah, if, if her music really watch is, her on TV. Yeah, I was gonna say if her music's half as good as her face, then I'm in. I uh, like her. Okay, so moving on to the next segment, we have Sharon. Uh, that segment, and then he's a teenage kid at this point, uh, and he's getting bullied. He's um, still quiet. He's a scrawny kid, doesn't dress cool like the other kids, uh, and his mom is even worse off now at this point. Oh wait, we should mention that Kevin is also in Little Story from the very beginning. Yes, as as his friend that kind of defends him and is like, "Hey, I know you're tough, but sometimes you got to go show that you're tough to these other guys." And he was played by Jaden Piner. Yes. Speaking of Kevin, I'm glad you brought that up because in the first segment. And I wasn't sure what I was seeing. Do you remember the scene where where Little walks in and, and Kevin and a few other guys are like in oh, yeah. this room and they're like... Yeah, they they're were, all looking at their wieners. They're all looking yeah. at their wieners, which is, you know, if you're a guy... <laughs> I you never know, did it. Me neither. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean... But if your guys, maybe some some people out there did it with their friends. <laughs> what were you going to say, Brandon? <laughs> uh, yeah, so some guys probably do that. It just with showed their you kids' mischief. Right, exactly, exactly. But, you know, and at the time you don't really think much about it. Obviously, that really comes into play later on. Okay. Well, and the, the fighting was a little bit awkward. I mean, like they hadn't, had they come out and said that we think this kid's gay yet? I didn't. I didn't get like strong gay no. vibes. No, from that's what I'm saying. Only but the I. Mother, but but only the mom. Yeah. But the, and of course, then later on, Juan. But when right. he and Kevin got in a fight, I got weird vibes from it. See, I didn't think oh, anything of it. I, I just did thought a little too. bit, but honestly, that's because I knew the content. Oh, I didn't. See, I didn't. I, I got a little bit weird of a vibe. I went into it blind as well. And so I you got, knew going into it that there was going to be yeah. gay overtones. Yeah, See, I didn't know that at all. I honestly didn't even catch it when I watched the trailer, but my friend pointed it out, and I was like, "Oh, okay. Well, now I know what to expect." So. Yes. See, I didn't yeah. see, and I didn't get anything from the fight scene because I didn't. I I didn't know any until until the infamous scene. Infamous. I mean, the movie's been out for a week. Uh, we're, <laughs> we're, we're, we've talked about it. We'll get there uh, off off camera, <laughs> and <laughs> off, off pod off pod. Uh, <laughs> uh, but the scene in segment two, I was completely. I got a, I had no idea. I, I got no a little bit of a too. weird vibe. From the wrestling scene, but I was like, "Oh, it's probably just boys." Like I didn't right. like I. It seemed weird to me, and then I was like, "This is probably just some dudes do." Okay, so uh. segment two, Sharon uh, picked on scrawny kid, confused, quiet teenager. But again, Kev's his one friend that kind of gets his back. And they're in high school though, so now Kevin's trying to be cool, right? Like, and it's not was cool. By Dwan Sanderson, which uh, I thought he was really good. He, he was, was really good, man. But it, it wasn't cool to hang out with. Sharon because Sharon's this scrawny kid that's getting made right. fun of and people Sharon are calling him gay. Right. And and Kevin's trying to establish himself as like a hard dude so he doesn't get picked on and in the right. things that kids do in high school. I mean, you just want right. to be one of the cool kids and that's what he was trying to maintain. So Kevin actually ha- hangs out with him privately, like away from school. Right. And uh, just the one time, though. Just the one time that we see. It kind of seems like they're friends, but it like. Seem- it's the. 
the implication oh. is that they're still friends, but it's not. It, they kind of just super close, right? Yeah, but yeah. but there's been no f- to, Kevin will actually talk to him at school, right? right. Yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, so the the scene that probably I'm I'm guessing is going to a lot of you know people talking. They go to a beach. Uh, have a heart to heart. Have a heart to heart. They're just kind of talking about you know life, and it's kind of the first time we see Chiron really kind of open up a little bit because he's been so quiet to this point. But you can tell he's a little bit vulnerable with with Kev, and and he's a little bit more willing to open up and kind of trust him. Oh, and, when they talk about crying and whatever, and actually I wrote this down, and that scene in particular was. Uh, cause I thought that was a good line. It was like, I cry so much, uh, you know, it turns into drops just yeah, like, yeah, like this whole, you know, body of water or whatever. Yes. Right. Yeah. yeah. Like, I thought water was a big theme in this movie. It for was. For sure. For sure. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so they're talking and we as an audience, I didn't quite know whether to trust Kev at this point or not. Uh, I, oh, I mean, really? I thought, well, I thought he was a good kid, but I guess I, I didn't know what was happening. <laughs> I didn't quite know what was happening, and, and like the gears started kind of going. I was like, "Wait, wait, what? Wait, no." Well, you are naive, man. Yeah, I'm pretty naive, but you definitely didn't. Dude, get it. well, here I guess here's what I'm saying. <laughs> I knew because of the whole the scene with Juan and and asking what a fact is. And what gave Juan. it away? The hand job. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to eloquently build up to that. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's I, what I, I definitely I, knew <laughs> that he was gay. <laughs> I'm saying I didn't know that Kev was going to go there. Oh, That's no, what I didn't I'm get like, super gay vibes from Kev. Could, you know, if Kev was going to be like. Yeah, I thought he might reject him. That's because they kind of move in slowly. Mad, and I thought him. even if he was gay, I didn't know that he was he would be ready to express that. Right. I thought it might end up being like a right. really painful thing for Sharon right. in that moment. Yeah. But it wasn't. Oh, that no, was, it was great for it him. It was a pretty great moment, apparently. Yeah. He seemed to really enjoy himself. Seemed to have a happy ending. yeah kev was really selfless in this scene i'll say yes um i actually just deleted all my notes on accident i cannot believe that just happened are they in your deleted talking about that scene there's a deleted folder that's where i actually deleted it at oh you deleted deleted it from the delete i was reading them and then i just but you delete and then he wanted he wanted (laughs) no (laughs) evidence he wanted no evidence that he watched this scene in a in a dark movie theater by himself (laughs) <laughs> uh, before I forget, then, because in that second sequence, there's two things I thought were really cool that, in that second um, act. <clears throat> One was, you know, after, because this is actually after that beach scene, you know, when Sherrod gets beat up. Yes. Um, and by Kevin. You know, in a yes. way, he gets betrayed, but you see he's trying to stand up, but he just gets the shit kicked out of him. Yeah. The scene where he comes back the next day and he's, you know, fists are clenched. Awesome. And he's walking back into the classroom. All right. Did you catch how the orchestra, the music was just sound like it was like an orchestra warming up? Yeah. How it would sound before. I thought that was, I don't think I've ever heard that in a movie that I can recall. That's right. It was a really good idea. It was like getting up to like the climax of the chair. That was awesome. That was so I I freaking yep. love that scene. Yeah, another thing that was in both the first act and the second act, and I think it's probably the best. Ah, oh, it's so hard to say best shot of the movie. Um, was the mother in the hallway with the magenta lighting? Yeah, love that was that. a really good that shot. Just, there was something about that shot. It was just both haunting and beautiful at the same time. Yes, yep. I just yes. had to point that out, especially now that I don't have my notes to look at anymore. Yeah, <laughs> I can't believe I did that. I but that that scene though when he cracks that chair with that kid's back was awesome. It was, it was great, and that. Those two scenes back to back basically formed his life. 
you know right. the 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 scene with Kev at the beach, and then him finally standing up to him. He gets beat down. Then he comes back and stands up for himself. He finally is. They broke him. Mm-hmm. He's past the breaking point, and he stood up for himself. And of course, he gets sent away, and that's the end of of segment two. Is him getting sent away for him doing that? Did you because the camera stayed so long on the boy not moving on the floor? Did you for half a second were like, "Damn, he's dead." Yeah, and I like, wondered that. You almost feel yeah, kind of bad. I did. Yeah, I mean, I did. You feel yeah, bad I think for that was Gerard, intentional. You don't want to feel bad for the kid, but it's like, oh wow, maybe he took it too far. Right. Yeah. Yes. But that's good storytelling in a yeah, way that too, was... because it gives still gives me make me feel a little bit human. Human, you know. Right. Um, yeah, you want vengeance point. on people. Yes, so you know, in your life, you want vengeance on people. Right. Um, not everyone's perfect, but you don't want them to die. <laughs> right. Yeah. Exactly. Yes, so. the teacher's reaction was perfect. It was amazing because <laughs> after the first hit, it shows him and he's just kind of shocked, and then he goes in for the second one, and the teacher's like, "Oh, oh like I better yeah. do something about yeah. that." Like, yeah. like he was in shock or something, and then he realized what was going on or like, something, Damn. and he was a little bit proud <laughs> of him. <laughs> I don't know. The, pe- the teacher's reaction had, there's a lot going on in just that there's one face. There's a lot of stuff like that in this movie. And that's the authenticity that we, I think we enjoy behind it. Ah, it's, it's been so long since I feel like I've been able to talk about something authentic this year. Yeah, yeah. it um, was authentic. This, this felt like a real movie. And this felt like how a guy like uh, Black, who he grows up to be, could become who he became. Yeah. Uh, sure. They, they set the foundation for it along the way. And I, I, I and the payoff is so great. So now we're getting into segment three, which is called Black, because that's what Kev called him. Um, and so now we see Little slash Iran, and he's grown up, and this dude is Jack now. He is built. He had gone from a scrawny kid. He was kid. almost unrecognizable mm-hmm. until they did so well with their casting because it, he seemed really unrecognizable until he started making the same facial expressions yes. as we've seen from the other two actors that yeah. played Sharon. Like, that was kind of amazing to I, me. Uh, I read it. Devontae deal- Rhodes played Black and Andre Holland played Kevin. Yeah, th- and those two are fantastic. Yeah. Uh, they, I wouldn't mind if they both got nominated, even though, you know, they're in a third of the movie and they basically share that third of the movie together. I, I preferred Dwan Sanderson. I thought he was much better. But, yeah, I agree. But no, I agree. He's good. It's hard when. Yeah. When it gets broken into thirds, and I think that might... It'll probably hurt them. Hurt them. It, yeah. it probably will. Yeah. Uh, but they're also good. But uh, Oh, I read uh, from the director, and he said that the reason he cast the three, uh, and maybe the third one might be a little shocking because, you know, he's so built. He's like, but there is... In their eyes, they were all yeah, the same they person did. in their eyes. They there did. Was, there was... When, to him, when in their eyes, they were all the same. Yeah. Uh, but anyways... So he's he's built. He looks. I mean, he's trying. And, they, and they're doing a good job also of of establishing that this dude is working out all the time because we see him doing some push ups. We do see him doing some weights and yeah. things like that. So um, he obviously got sent away and wanted to change the person who he was. But then he gets a phone call from Kev and decides he need, he's living in Atlanta now and decides to go back to Miami. Yes, his mom is in a drug rehab center, and he goes to visit her, and she is doing much better, but obviously has a lot of regrets about her life and how she raised him. Which oh, was, was also a great, a great scene. scene. Yeah, that really was a scene. really, really good scene. Both of them played it really well, too, and it felt really natural and real how you would, you know... Uh, that that was a good that was a therapeutic scene I think yeah. for for the audience too because we'd come to really hate she's really the most despicable character in the but movie you could see all point. through the movie because when you're first introduced to the mom I'm like what's why doesn't he want to go home because she seems so loving at the time because she's so manic <clears throat> she has such manic moments when she's 
on drugs, but you don't know that initially. Right. You she think seems she seems like a loving first. mom and you wonder why he would not want to stay there. And as you see her go through and, and she'll go through moments where she's like, Oh, I was so worried about you. And I genuinely felt, felt like she was worried yeah. about him like a mother would be, but she had so many problems and it was just, she couldn't, she yeah. couldn't be a good mom to him. Yeah. But at this point she had come to realize that and got help and wanted to do what she could. And she chose to do that by helping other people in uh, that center. Yeah. Oh, and, and which makes you kind of hurt for Sharon because she never really helped him. Yeah, right. And you could, in a way, you see that pain in his eyes, but you see, you feel like they may have resolved it. Heck, you look—they actually look like they don't even know how to hug. Yeah, yeah, you know what I mean? yeah. That's it's just—it's just such a strained relationship. relationship. And and it was cool because they also established her. He obviously looked up to Juan. Oh, I have to mention, growing up, Sharon looks a lot like Juan. He's obviously he, trying yeah. to emulate yep. himself. Um, he's wearing the same uh, bandana thing, got whatever it is. Got the fronts, everything. He's trying to be hard like Juan was, but he's still kind of mushy, soft-hearted like Juan was. Like you can see though how much an influence Juan was. Right. He's trying oh, to emulate that same kind of, kind of same kind of car. Got the yes. king, everything. Uh, yeah, he had the, the crown. crown on yes, the, on the yeah, dashboard. yes. Which I way, just assume was Juan. Right, exactly. I, me too, actually. Um, I totally butchered this. Ashton Sanders is Sharon in the second act. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, IMDb has it all scattered out. Uh, and not gotcha. like one, two, three, like you right. would normally yep. see it. So, my bad. Uh, <laughs> also, Juan had said something about he hated his mom, too, but he missed her so much and when wishes she he could gone, see her. Yeah. Uh, and so, I thought it was kind of cool for Sharon. It came full circle because yeah. he did hate his mom, but he point. got the good he catch. got the forgiveness and and got to love her That's again, unlike Juan did. And Juan right, had told he said, him, "I hated my mom too." You know, when when yeah. he was little. Yes. And you're right. So there's like a little bit of um, making up some ground or something. Right. Like yeah. that. Right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Like he got to do what Juan never did. That Juan wanted to, and he he related that to right. to Sharon. Uh, anyways, so the the last part of the movie is is him meeting up with Kev again, and I think that the sexual tension slash it was a subtext the whole time. Everything that was going on, they were talking. They they met. Kev is now a cook, and Chiron's like this drug dealer that you know has kind of made a name for himself. And he goes to his diner, and they're talking, catching up. But the whole time, did you guys feel like a tension, like a subtext, like yeah, sexual? Yeah, there was a the sexual time? tension the whole and time, and it was like well, plus, thick. Plus, like, when Kevin keeps bringing up, like, why'd you drive all the way down here just right. to drive all the way down here? Right, because I called you. You know, yeah. so I wrong. What's you, what's you looking at me like that for? What, man? Come on, you just drove down here? Yeah. Like you was just, you was just on one. And you hit the highway. Yeah. Neither one of them would say it. Yeah. I was actually... Which getting, felt real to me. I yeah. was getting really nervous about that whole third act. Like something bad was going to happen. And I didn't want that for this movie. Right. In a way, I didn't want anyone to get hurt. I didn't want anything bad to happen. Because I was just getting concerned because we see that too much. And I didn't want to be associated with anything. Right. I didn't want AIDS get brought into it. I didn't want yeah. um, death get brought into yeah. it. I just wanted it to be like... Kind of in a way, its own kind of love story. Yeah, right. Yes, it know, is. That just looked like it's going to work out okay. Yeah, you know. 
And um, after that, it was it was it was good. You know, I don't really watch a lot of uh, you know LBGT movies. I've, right. I've seen I've seen a couple here and there, but I mean, I try and keep open minded to it. And so I was with this, and you know, I think for what it was, it was a good love story. I think so too. It was, but it was also, but it was hard because when you're in that environment, or we'll just say like you know in the ghetto or urban atmosphere. I mean. It, it's that's what makes this kind of a unique story. Also, yeah. yeah, you know, because lots, lots of odds against you. Yeah, yeah. And they could have taken the easy way out and made it more quote unquote entertaining, or given a, some big climax where, let's say, Kev comes on to him or rejects him, and so he you know feels anger and rejection, right. and so he lashes out at him and kills him and goes back to his you know drug dealer, whatever. They could have gone a lot of different ways with it, but they really kind of downplayed it, and it felt like it unfolded naturally it was really subtle and it was very realistic and everything felt really genuine and real yeah one thing that that i just you know when they were getting when they go back to kevin's house and they're kind of finally expressing a little bit of emotions like i it was cool that black was finally starting to kind of say something you know he didn't really say anything ever which actually was i guess good i mean you never really feel satisfied that he got everything off his chest but he said just enough to give you a little bit of right. um, a little bit of something, right? Yeah. Finally gave us a little yes. something. Yes, yeah, yeah, exactly. And you wanted uh, him to. Uh, hey, you know what? It, no pun intended, little something. <laughs> but, but, the, but that last shot, I just wasn't sure how they were going to show that last shot because in, sometimes, especially in this part of the country, oh, let's all say more conservative part of the country, it's hard to show that stuff on screen sometimes mm-hmm. when people don't, aren't used to seeing it all right. the time. Right, right. And uh, I know we talked about Tangerine last year when it came out. Um, another really good movie, but that was way raw, very raw right. movie. And, you know, it's okay. It's just, it's really hard to watch. But there's a very, there's a great scene at the end of it where it's just these, you know, two um, transvestites sitting next to each other. Yeah. yeah. And um, they just kind of have a similar moment where they just kind of, it's the end of the day, they rest, one rests his head on the other one's shoulder. It's a very nice way to show it. Like this shows the compat the compatibility or right. the relationship or right. romance or whatever you right. want to call it. It wasn't that in Tangerine, but it certainly was in this one. It looked yeah. like uh, some ease being finally taken off of. You know, yeah, he can yeah. Yeah. Yes, and you, I don't know if that's a. Like, I, I don't. It's very unclear to me whether that worked out or if that was just a moment, because Kevin doesn't want him doing sir selling drugs. Like he's very upset about that. Doesn't want that. And I don't know if their lives would work together, but for that one moment it was peaceful and I felt like Sean could be himself. To me it worked out. Like I mean, like maybe that's optimist. I mean, they definitely don't give you the exact answer, but I mean I felt like they led you to believe you're right. It could just be a, a happy moment, but but like like you said, Jacob, I think that I mean you saw like like a weight lifted off of Sharon just in that last moment. And I love that they just scale back. Just enough anyway. Yeah. I love that they scale back. They could have shown like a sex scene. They could have shown some. Like Tom Cruise and Top Gun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they could have gone there. Yeah. But they chose just showing love instead. Just like, like some yeah. romance and, and some, really, some like, happiness. People may be squeamish at the homosexual hand job in a movie. But it was done in a really sweet. Like if this were. A, a man and a woman, you probably wouldn't think anything of it. You would think it was sweet and romantic. So it, I, I really yeah, didn't think it was. Beach. Sweet <laughs> well, I mean, but it was done in a very. I know it wasn't yeah. like a very sexual. We're trying to turn you on way. Like it was they, they really cared about each other, and that's right. You know what I mean? Shut up. People trying to figure. Well, that was out. their intent. It fell because I got turned on. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, no, but I I think that um, one of the most powerful lines. And I want to make sure that we talk about it because you talked about you know the the last scene and then talking to him saying just enough. They were kind of talking about just their lives and what he was doing, what he was doing. And then out of nowhere, and this seems like a guy like Sharon who who has the trouble expressing himself and, and saying what he feels. Out of out of context, they weren't going this way. He just says, You're the only man to ever touch me. Like like he finally said what he was what he came there for, what he wanted to see, Kev, what he's actually been feeling for the past however many years it's been. He got it off of his chest. And the way the actor delivered it was so good. Um, you could tell it was just released. I, I, I felt like that one line was really, really good. Um, How they make a guy that stacked. If you haven't seen the actor, imagine like Terry Crews, but having like a really heartwarming yeah. moment. Like it, like a very vulnerable moment yeah. from a guy that's stacked like that was kind yeah. of ridiculous. Curious it, on this one. So, you know, very end of the movie. Um, they're in each other's arms. Mm-hmm. But the last shot of the movie is Little on the beach looking at the water, and then he turns back and looks at the camera. Yeah. All right. Any meaning to that? Anything? I I thought it's, about that for a while because I, I figured I, I looked it's, it up pretty quickly. Isn't it it's because trivia. Juan gave that entire speech at the beginning about how he was a kid running in the moonlight? And yes. it's actually yeah. the name of the play. The name of the play is In Moonlight, Black Boys Look Blue. Mm. Yeah. And I was like, oh. Yeah, that's, that's one story. That's what it was. Yeah. Right. Okay. And I didn't, of course, didn't know that going into it. But right. you're right. Juan touched on it very And I quickly. just put it together because they called Juan blue and then he was called black. Good call, man. Holy shit. Whoa. Boom. Mind blown. That's Maybe right. talk this stuff out. Seriously. <laughs> man. Seriously. And on the that's poster, a, no, no, and on really the poster, cool. you know, it's the three, it's the three Chirons and the middle part is blue, right? The I other two are black. And no, the, the colorblind guys. The middle part is purple. Yeah, yeah well, then, way off on that yeah, one. my Don't bad. Go color. Okay, yeah. Edit, edit that out. <laughs> but, but, but good catch. And yeah. now I feel kind of dumb because it's so obvious. But sometimes you need people talking about it. So <laughs> I'll tell you, man, I listen to a couple other podcasts, you know, regularly. And because I have to, because there are things that my brain sees it or, you know, but I, I can't say it vocally. Right, yeah. Yeah, but that's why I hang out with you two uh, literary people. <laughs> One other thing I want to mention, and I thought it was—I mean—they never touched on it at all because we're wanting to know what what's going on with Sharon as a grown up, and we hear what's going on with Kevin and, and his kid. I don't know and all what's that. going on with Teresa. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> she is a widow now. <laughs> she is. She's available, but uh, they show—they just quickly. When we first see Sharon, uh, they quickly show a picture of a woman and a baby on his bedside. That's right. all that they say about what he's gone on in his personal life at yep. this point. So we don't know if it's that his wife and kid, just a woman he had sex with and his kid. But like, his mom kept calling or, you know, and so he answered the phone like, Mom, you know, but maybe he had some kind of something to hang on to from his childhood. I didn't think much of it. Oh, you thought it was maybe his mom him and, and his, him? Mom. Yeah. his I th- mom? Oh, I thought it was like. I thought it was. I assumed I it was it, him and his mom, but I didn't. Oh, know. I, I thought for one second I thought it was like a, the Kevin scenario where you had a they had a baby boy. Oh, see, I thought, I don't know. Okay, interesting. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, this is so Jacob of me, but I do want to mention the shots specifically because I noticed them. So <laughs> oh, no, that's a good ones. Um, just little things like 
the opening the, the open, opening shot where the camera just kind of kept twirling around the two they actors. twirl they twirl Love a lot it. they twirl a lot and um there was one where the camera was attached to the door and they closed the door i really like that shot um i don't remember that one is it like the door to sharon's house no it was to a car i just thought okay. it was a really interesting shot um, the shot that you brought up with the mom in the hallway. Oh, um, I love that shot. It was just a pretty shot. It, that was a Nicholas what I was telling, shot right there. <laughs> it was. Um, what I was telling Brandon is I think they used it just enough to make you to make it more intimate, to make you feel like you were there and you were in the moment, but not so much that it was distracting that everything was so shaky cam all the time. Uh, right. Because there is a part at the beginning could've. where they're running when he's a little boy and you're running. Well, like the whole wrestling scene, there's a lot of shaky yeah. cam in there. And even, it's almost as if like the camera was acting as Sharon's head, moving up and looking over at Kevin yeah. and then laying back down. But it didn't I thought it was, go too far. There's a lot of great depth of field in yeah. this and that there was yep. very little. So that caused for like, you know, soft background, sharp right. foreground, which is the kind of stuff that i love that pta does a lot mm-hmm. and uh, it just adds for great again intimacy you're in the moment yep. but for this one in particular the camera was so close it gives you both suffocation and intimacy which is great for this movie right because young Sherrod can't get out of his shell versus you know well and when Sherrod, he was um... where he finally you know Finally, able to express himself somehow. Well, and when he's uh, his adolescent, when he's Sharon in the middle, when he's about to get beat up, they're circling him. Yeah. To to the point up. where I almost like started feeling kind of dizzy, but like it went on for so long yeah. to kind of get you in that place where you were kind of disoriented a little bit. Sure. I felt like. Well, think about the the Battle of the Bastards with Jon Snow. That camera kept stayed really close and on Jon Snow, and so right. he felt very. Uh, disoriented, claustrophobic. claustrophobic. Yeah. You didn't know what was going to happen, where the punches were coming from. Maybe uh, you know people were all around you, and right. so it's a similar kind of effect. I yeah. guess. So I very cool. I thought that was fantastic. I love that stuff. That's where you you use your technical skills to build a story. I love it. Yeah, and I don't generally notice it, so yeah, that's how good, good it very was. Very beautiful movie. Yeah. Uh, I want to. I think you know if you look at the past few years, Oscar uh, nominations you know best picture that kind of thing i think this to me this would have been just as good as any of the ones that were nominated last year so i think it's definitely uh oscar worthy um i don't know to me if it's if it's an oscar winner type like a best picture picture winner i'd be okay with it but i'm what i'm saying we is haven't I hope, seen a well, lot I'm of saying, i'm hoping that not some, a lot of yeah right so far i'm hoping some more come out that are better like at this point i would give it the thumbs up to win best picture from what i've seen I'm hoping, you know, a few more come out that I'm like, okay, well, now we got some competition. But uh, to me, it's a surefire Oscar contender, and I'm I mean, pretty excited about I'll it. I'll say the only thing cinematography-wise that I can match with this is The Lobster and Heller Highwater. Yeah. yeah. And there's not a whole lot more out there. And Yeah, yeah we've seen we a lot of blockbusters, hit, but... We haven't hit Oscar season. Like, exactly. we're just... We're going to have so many more movies yeah, that are fantastic. They're, they're so this is just kind of the first really outstanding movie to yeah. me well and it was it was awesome like you guys said technically it was great cinematography uh you know the way it was shot and all that. the acting was obviously brilliant the storyline the script all those things and it was different unique and oscars love different unique yeah. so it's kind of got all its bases covered now i'm going through my list and i'm seeing there's a couple of movies i forgot on the cinematography list hunt for wilder people or yeah rival both for yeah, yeah. Anyway, the witch so the witch um, yeah i do want to say that this you know this movie is different because we've never reviewed a movie by actually walking through the entire movie and talking about it. We never have. Point. We never have done it. That's but this true. movie kind of lent itself because 
because it's the story and you have to understand the story. Yeah, that's true. So this if you haven't seen story. it, there's no point in you seeing it now. Uh, yeah. We just told you the entire movie. Yeah. <laughs> well, hopefully you've haven't. seen it and then you listen to us because yeah. that's, that's that's what we spoil, honestly. Yeah. It's like, why would you listen to a review? But we've never watched the movie figure like out this. that uh, black and blue are the... <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> totally worth it just yeah. for that you know you're right though because we're usually just like so what'd you like about it? what didn't you like about it let's pick it apart but this time I, you know, oh, we walk through the entire movie we didn't plan that either Mm-mm. just kind of happened uh, so that is though. Moonlight by Pulp Fiction all of us highly recommend it obviously go see Moonlight tell us what you think on our SoundCloud page or on our Facebook now it's the part of the show where we talk about what else we've been watching lately um Rachel. Are we going to try and stick to just 2016, or do you have some other little things? Out of curiosity, because I've got about four that came out this year. I, I just got ones that came out. That I've, I've seen some this year that I wanted to talk about. Yeah. I'm cool with I'm, I'm just saying stuff. that. I've got quite a bit yeah. to talk about. Yeah, I, I've, I've got some 2016 ones. Cool. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and I think, you know, if, if one of us mentions ones that the other ones want to talk about, we'll just jump in and kind of do a little mini. Well, should we talk about the one that we all went and saw together a couple weeks ago? Hexall Ridge. Hexall. Didn't we already review that? No, no. Someone bailed. <laughs> oh, I was sick. That's what it was. Yeah, we saw Hexall Ridge. Hey we should... guys, we saw Hexall Ridge. And and you know what? It's it may be an Oscar contender. It's kind of on the fringe. Like like when they're talking yeah. about like possible contending ones, it's one that's supposedly a, a possible. Um, who wants to go take lead on Hexall Ridge? Uh, Hacksaw Ridge is a story. Uh, let me get it up in front of me first. It's about Peter Parker who yeah. goes to war, but <laughs> <laughs> but he but without his spider powers, yeah, so he's a lot less interesting and <laughs> less good at war. <laughs> less good less at, good war. at war. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Hacksaw Ridge. Oh, here's a description. How about uh, World War II American Army medic Desmond T. Doss, who served during the Battle of Okinawa, refuses to kill people and become the first man in American history to win the Medal of Honor without firing a shot. Which sounds awesome. Could be good. Could could be great. Yeah, Mel Gibson directing it. Um, who is a good director, regardless of what you think of the, yeah, him actually. as the person. Um, and it's written. The screenplay is written by Robert Shinkan. Shinkan. I don't know. And Andrew Knight. Um, it's a very two-part story in that the first half is building his character, who he is, love interest, whatever. Pretty sappy. Oh, plus I guess like his his upbringing with his. Uh, with his father who is abusive and things like that. And then the second half is no, won't use a gun. Not going to use it while I'm in uh, boot camp. Right. Not going to use it while I'm going head to head with the Japanese. And, um, I'll say that was very intense. And uh, look, I, I know war is hell and, you know, very gruesome, but it was fucking violent. It was, <laughs> it, was. it was very gruesome, which almost, I enjoyed. Almost, like the, I the, the, the war seems obnoxious to an extent. I thought the war scenes were... It seemed like it was true to form, but there was still a little bit too extremism. Really? I See, I didn't, I didn't have so. a problem. I actually didn't have any sort of I issue. I thought it was okay just to grab a body and use it as a shield. I, I feel, like, well, I feel like that's what happens yeah, in war. Like, like like that would get his head blown off right in front of you. Like yeah, I feel like that's what happens in yeah, war. Yeah, I felt like it really put me in the, the middle of the stuff. I had issues with the movie, trust me, but that yeah. wasn't for yeah, me. Yeah, that, that wasn't, wasn't the one, I, yeah. Uh, like, I actually really enjoyed the war scenes. I did, too, because I feel like... The war gets sugarcoated a lot because that stuff happens and it's terrifying and it's <laughs> yeah. awful. Yeah, yeah. Um, I liked it. You know, I was excited that it was Mel Gibson doing a, a doing something again, and he's getting a little bit more involved with Hollywood again. Right. You know, we're forgiving people. 
Yeah. And it looks like they're giving him a little bit of a, a little bit of a pass yeah. between yeah. directing this movie and acting and oh, what was the other one he just Bloodfather. There you go. Yeah. Um so I was a little excited for that. Um not a big Andrew Garfunkel Garfunkel. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't even do that not on purpose, did Garfunkel. you? Garfunkel. Garfunkel. <laughs> Uh, Garfield. Garfield is the word that we like. Andrew. Hello, darkness, my old friend. Oh shoot! Nothing but professionals here. Uh. Anyway, and he came through. Actually, he was okay when I saw the clips at the end of the movie. He, I, I realized why they casted him. There's not a whole lot of guys in Hollywood that are that scrawny. Who is as scrawny as his actual person <laughs> they, is? They cast him because he's scrawny. Yeah, That's it. but then you, but on screen, he just that pouty, goofy lip thing. It's like he was trying to portray simple too much. It just didn't do it for me. I will agree with that. I yeah. actually like Andrew Garfield. I didn't like him in this role. Yeah, like I, I get that he's he's pure-hearted, sweet he was, boy. But he was like a little too sappy. He was a little. He too... was sappy that he was like borderline idiot. Yeah, like, that's and, and then I don't think they were trying to make him stupid. I think they yeah. were just trying to make him like kind of country kinda and then like yeah. real life Forrest Gump. Yeah, yeah, and, and then I, it, yeah, yeah, and I don't know if that was Garfield or he Gibson came off as or... simple. Simple yeah, would did. be a good word to describe. He him. did, that is what which which say. his values can be <laughs> simple. <Yes. laughs> his values can be simple, but like he shouldn't be simple minded because he wasn't simple minded. Right. Um. Obviously, his love interest, Teresa Palmer, is super hot. I uh, got a obligatory uh, mention that. And she was fine. She was fine in it. Uh, nothing Literally to and figuratively. Yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, honestly, I liked his character a lot. Like, I liked what he stood for. I liked what he believed in. I just felt right. like they kind of shoved it down your throat. Like It was heavy-handed. Very heavy-handed. That was yes. the biggest. It was a little emotionally manipulative and heavy-handed. That was and, the biggest issue with the movie yeah. for me. Uh, they were like, see how good, 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 good he is. Oh, see how much he loved, love, loves. Like, like, like we get it. We get yeah. it. We get his values. We don't have to keep going through his values. Yeah. Like so many times we understand what's happening here. Right. right. Uh, but overall, uh, I'd say it was a well done movie with a good storyline in it. At the end of the day, the character, the man that that he was is an honorable, noble person. And he did a very heroic, amazing thing, really, when it comes down to what he did. And honestly, I'll say this. I thought that they were over-dramatizing it, like typical Hollywood. Like, there's no way he did all this. There's no no way this happened. Look it up. Look it up. He did what... And that that. is incredible. nuts. That's insane what this dude actually did. And I thought it was just typical Hollywood. uh, But no, uh, it's a really amazing story. Wow. Uh, IMDb. Good old IMDb coming through. It's number 91 on the top rated movies. (laughs) Yeah, see, that doesn't surprise me. Yeah, it'll fall off. Not to be whatever, but but the general audiences will adore this movie, much like they did American Sniper, much like they did. Good comparison. Yeah, Yeah, it's it's that type Um, of. I gave it a six or a seven. Yeah, Yeah. same here. Yeah, Yeah. I gave it a seven. I'll see it again. Decent. But because Andrew Garfunkel drives me insane. <laughs> Uncle. <laughs> um, but, you know, it was was what it was. It was what it was. Yeah. Uh, what else do we want to tackle? I saw Fantastic Beasts. I, too, saw Fantastic I Beasts. I watched it last night. And? Let's talk about Fantastic Beasts. Oh, 
Um, all right. Well, first off, are y'all Harry Potter fans? Uh, I <laughs> like Harry Potter. I wouldn't say I'm a fan, but Do you I like enjoy the, the movies. Do you like the idea of Harry Potter or just the idea of fantasy or magic and wizards and witches and, you know. You know, I'm Quidditch. not going to I'm not gonna go, <laughs> you know, to Comic-Con and, and dress up like anybody and do cosplay, but I'll watch the movies and enjoy them just fine. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I was a... I, I I really enjoy the Harry Potter movies. I just check out. I take them for what they are. They're they're fun. They, right. Which yeah. is what they should be. Yeah. yeah. Um. How about you, Rach? I'm not prone to really liking fantasy stuff, but Harry Potter's fine. That entire series. I thought. I mean, like, I understand why it's a big deal, like it is. But for me, I was just like, oh, yeah, that was fine. And did y'all read the books? No. I didn't read the books. I enjoyed the movies, and I I liked the movies more and more as the movies went on. I thought they started off they okay did and get then better. ended up pretty yeah. darn good. I actually read all the books except for the last one. Don't know why. Well, that's weird. I do that. That's I read weird, the first two Hunger Games books and didn't read Mockingjay. That's Day. so weird. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, Hunger Games apparently weird. the last one is weird. the last it's one is weird. the worst one, but not Harry Potter. I mean, Harry Potter is still really good. That just reminds me of that scene in um, uh, Holy Motors. Weird. It's just so. It's weird. just so weird. It's just weird. <laughs> weird. Weird. <laughs> uh, but Fantastic Beast, though, I thought. Um, By the way, there's no book for this. J.K. Rowling wrote the screenplay. That's where I was kind of getting around. To oh, that's, yes. Then that's why the person that we went oh. with, the person we went with is a huge Harry Potter fan, and I asked her if she read the book, and she said no. Uh, and so she didn't know about it as much as she she normally schools us on Harry Potter stuff, uh, but well, she didn't this time. That makes me like the movie less than though. Well, she wrote the screenplay. It's just not based on a book that she wrote. I know. J.K. Rowling wrote the screenplay. I though. know. It should have been better. Oh, this movie has uh, major plot holes in it. Oh, a, they're time. all over the place. Like, well, it's, it's, it's kind of a disaster. the difference between a screenplay. Oh, it does. It's got a t- like I, I got a lot of issues with this movie. And I like J.K. Rowling. And I'm sure you that she want writes to. great you stuff. You expect high thing, big things but here's because the, of her ability to world build. I will, I will, yes, that, and that's the best thing about Harry Potter is her world building. And I that think remains true with what, what I piece. would guess with this is what happened. When you write a book, she probably feels the freedom with a thousand pages to be as descriptive as she well, wants. Well, yeah, no, I get to go, that. Yeah, but with the screenplay, it's probably a different thing for her, and she didn't really know. But, but I'm as, trying to defend her here. As the person who wrote the book, shouldn't she know how to hit the key points and then not leave giant plot holes in the way? Well, the thing yeah. about, okay, so the first Harry Potter movie, you know, and you're right, it's in the details of the book because it's in the details of the movie, whereas here we're kind of in a, in a grayed out, muted New York City, 1930s or 40s kind of era, right? Mm-hmm. And the details aren't quite there like they were in the Harry Potter franchise. Right. Well, I guess this yeah. is the franchise. Oh, it's noticeably, movies. noticeably different. And so you start there, and then you have what I thought was some of the strangest casting choices. Very strange. Mm-hmm. Um, I just want to kind of punch. Guys, I'm not I just kind of want to punch Eddie Redmayne. I'm yeah, not a huge fan of guys, Eddie Redmayne. I don't yes, like him. But I don't like uh, him. He's growing on me. Really? I'll say that the guy can. I think he can clearly act in a certain niche. Yeah, for sure. Um, awkward, weird, odd, whatever you yeah. call it. Um, this movie solidified me hating him more. Um, actually, <laughs> see, I thought he was. I, I was really. I'd say this. I'm butt hurt still that he beat out <laughs> um, Michael um, Ke- uh, Keaton. Oh yeah, yeah. for yeah. Birdman. Uh, yeah, yeah. He, in the theory of everything, he was. Yeah. But he, when you really take a step back. He was really good in that. Role. He was really good for sure. Um, but then but. we do the Danish girl, which shot beautifully, um, directed by uh, a director that I've always really uh, thought did good movies, Tom Hooper. Mm-hmm. And but, gosh dang it, like he just goes for these 
roles, right? Yeah, yeah that's. I, I feel like he's really yes. I feel like me. he's only like, and I kind of hate that he just kind of started off and boom, two Oscar nominations, an Oscar win. Harry Potter, but like, well, slow then, down, dude. Did, did you you haven't Le you Le haven't Le earned Le your stripes yet. Lemis, I mean, just over the top yeah. drama singing. Yes, and very dramatic. I, I don't want to say I don't like the guy just because I don't. Uh, I, I think he kind of overacts. I feel like Garfield, but I love Andrew but Garfield. There's just, okay. I just can't get on board with him. But I liked him in this movie. I I'm not he was an Eddie Redmayne fan. For this movie. I did not like him in this movie. Really, I tell you this, he I got on my nerves. Mumbled a bunch. Yeah, he did mumble a bunch. You got on my nerves. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm just not a fan. I'm not a fan. Of, and and you're right. He can't act, but I I think he is limited to certain things. But just not a fan. I'll tell you who I did like was Dan Fogler. I thought Dan Fogler was the man. He was funny. His the friend. Uh, yes, the, right. The, the, most, the, the most random casting choice I've seen in probably 15 years, I feel like. Oh, it was weird. Yeah. Yeah, it was definitely it was weird. weird that it was Dan Fogler, yeah, but I but still really liked him. I enjoyed him. him, and I really liked his his counterpart, the sister of the, the main female protagonist. I don't know the name, but the, the magical mind reader. I liked their story. I actually think that I was more interested in their little love story and their characters more than I was the overarching story but of the whole thing. Those no. didn't even work, though, man. What do you mean? Like the love stories, they were they didn't work. They weren't effective. They, I don't believe it. There's no, no absolutely there. not. No, oh, no, 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 no. But but they were enjoyable characters. So oh, I wanted to follow okay. them more than I wanted to follow the okay. other characters. Is what I'm saying. I'll say this. I thought about this in the movie, but someone else already said it on a podcast. So I better quote that Jeff Kanata said this on the slash film. But I thought it while I was watching this. He was like, this is comparable to like the Phantom Menace of the Star Wars franchise. Yeah. Shit's all over the place. Yeah. Yep. You know, that's true. It was just kind of a mess. It was just, I feel like it was a bit forced on all sorts of things. Yep. I think it was yep. probably kind of a money grab. Probably the studio's like, JK, give us something. You know, give us something. Four more of these movies? Four more Phantom Really? Oh, yes. I believe it. Really? Um, so, absolutely a money grab. Um, but see, where I thought it was like um, the Phantom Menace was. All the talking, all the walking and talking. Yeah, all there the, was. Which there is just was. like filler. It's just yeah. like, yeah. you're not giving us a... Re- where's the storyline? It's like, Yeah, it's all the... Now we have all the wizards getting together talking about politics and whatever. I don't yeah. want to see that. I want to see tackling these beasts and capturing yeah. the city. And, you know, I don't even want to... I don't even care about the... Um, Oh, everyone's talking about Kevin. What's his name? Ezra. Yeah, I Ezra Miller. I didn't care about that storyline. Yeah, I see these cool characters, these beasts. Yeah. that'd yeah. be fun. That'd yeah. be great for kids. Yeah, it would be. But instead, it kind of became pretty, pretty violent. It did. Extent. Well, and Ezra Miller's character didn't really make any sense to me. Like, how is like he had he this? He had this connection with Colin Farrell. He had the connection with our main chick pro- protagonist. He had this connection with uh, the the the. The newspaper dude, like, like he's just kind of all over the place. But he was supposed to be this, not the newspaper. Who was the who was the powerful? I just oh, felt like you mean uh, you mean the dad, um, not the dad, the older actor. Yeah, the older actor. Doing a bang up job here for for a guy that was supposed to be this like little he's, known he's like coach. Like go back. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah for for a Varsity character Blues, that's supposed John Voight. To, yes, John Voight. <laughs> thank you, John Voight. For a character that was supposed to be just kind of like in the shadows, well, that nobody was a waste of an actor too. By yeah, the way. yeah, it was. Uh, just nothing yeah. was convincing. The characters weren't convincing. It was, it was a pretty not good movie. 
<laughs> yes, know? that's a great way to describe it. Was well it was well done, like filmed and like, you know, it, effects. I gave stuff, it a six, I think. There's so I don't many, even give it that. There's so it's many. I, it'll more, probably get knocked down because it annoys me that there's so many plot holes in it. It's just one more whitewashed movie that Hollywood's forcing down yeah. throats because they're trying to yep. keep these franchises alive. Yeah, yep. pretty much. And yep. I'm so nervous they're going to do it with the Star Wars franchise. I don't think they will. One there's movie every much. year. Oh, you don't? They already made Rogue One. Yeah. I mean... Yeah, I mean, one movie every year going forward, they're that's going to just start yeah, punching they're out these it. screenplays. Yep. Yeah, that's yep. true. Luckily, there's been 30 years of people writing books and stories, so they'll be able to pick out some good stuff. But it's going to hit a point, just like with the Marvel movies, where we're burned out on them. Yeah. yeah. I saw Doctor Strange, which I don't think we've talked about that at all. Haven't seen it. And visually, wow, it was like Inception on drugs. Yeah. Um, but I've, I've already moved on. You know, I haven't thought really more about it. And crazy I felt- enough... We had a great time when we saw Civil War. Oh, yeah. I, I loved it. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, I just, when I watched it a second time, I was like, meh. I just don't have that feeling anymore, and that sucks. Right. Right. Yeah. They, they, it's oversaturation. Yeah. They, they've oversaturated, uh, which is a bummer. Uh, okay. So, I say we move on from Fantastic Beasts. We've talked about that. Uh, blah. Whatever. Um, what's a, I want to talk about loving real quick. Oh, have yeah. Have you seen about that? this. Okay, so Loving is also probable uh, Oscar contender for sure. Well, for sure going to contend. I don't know if it'll be a winner or anything like that. But it's the real-life story of Richard Loving and Mildred Loving, um, a couple in the late 50s, early 60s. He was white. She was black. They're from Virginia, and they get married, and it's against the law in Virginia. They get found out, and they're told to leave the state. Um, here, here's the synopsis. Well, I just want you to point out that it's Jeff Nichols that directed it. Jeff Nichols, who's fantastic, directed. Uh, Joel Edgerton is Richard, and Ruth Nega, who is wonderful in this, was Mildred. It's a wonderful story. It is a well-done movie. It is a powerful message and an important message. It was weird, though. Like, I wasn't as moved or as affected as I wanted to be. I was going to ask if it was hard to watch because the previews are even a little bit hard to watch. It's just kind of, this is going to sound whatever, it but it's kind of, like you know sl- what it's going to be. It's just kind of slow. It's just kind of like, oh. okay, well, and the people, and, and I like this about them. Slow? Well, it was, it's a different kind of slow. Okay. This is slow because you're expecting certain things to happen or, or big buildups or big, whatever. And it just kind of unfolds realistically like how it did in real life. And it's a story we're telling for sure, absolutely, no doubt. But because these people weren't really trying to be heroes, they weren't trying to be civil rights active, they just loved each other and wanted to be together. And they thought it was bullcrap that they, they couldn't be. Now, they ended up changing the Constitution of the United States of America because they you know, they won the right. And so it changed things, and it, and it set a precedent going forward. So it's very important. But they were just like, I love you, and I want to be with you. And we're gonna do that, but but they weren't Just like, like but they were quiet people. They were <laughs> simple people. They weren't like big fighters. They weren't yeah. so there weren't any of these big dramatic moments. This is set in the forties, right? Uh, late fifties, early sixties. Okay. So and there and there were people. You know, you think there may be a lot of hate and stuff like that, and there was. But not to where you'd be like, oh, I really hate those white people. You're like, I mean, there's some bastards in there for sure. Always some, are. Pe- <laughs> some people who treated them wrong and unfairly, and, and it was bullcrap. But it just wasn't 
like no big ah moments or yay moments. It was so just, it's just like, realistic. It's just realistic, which like, is yes, good. Yes, they deserve to die, and I hope <laughs> they, burn they burn it. Down. Yeah, yeah. Like that's not very realistic, but that was awesome. Uh, I mean, this is well done, and it deserves praise, and I'm glad it. But but you're just not going to be like whoa, blown away by that movie. You're like that was a really good movie. That's Jeff Nichols to me, though. True, isn't it weird that he came out with two movies this year? Because he also had a Midnight Special too. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Michael Shannon's in both, by the way. Michael he's Shannon. In all of those movies, yeah, he? he is. He's been in like six of them. He's got a really small part in this, but it's a really nice part. Uh, I will say the standouts. Joel Edgerton was good, uh, I like Joel as Edgerton. he always is. But Ruth Nega, who plays Mildred, his wife, uh, she was the standout to me. I don't know much about her. Uh, neither do I. Okay. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Talk. I know she's from Ethiopia, or she's Ethiopian. I don't uh, know she's she from World War Z, Warcraft, and the the Samaritan. Yeah, so uh, she was really good. Not a it's, whole lot. It looks like you got to see the movie, and it's going to be nominated for stuff. I just, you know, you know, like I said, good movie. Cool. Go see it. I want to. I want to flip it. Uh, dude, have y'all watched Sausage Party yet? Yes. Yep. What? Do you have any kind of an opinion on it? It was terrible. Boy, that was, I mean, I laughed. I certainly laughed. <laughs> I really hope no parent took their child to this movie. Oh, seriously. They, they were putting seriously. this. My in their defense. The she's like, oh, that looks funny. I was like, do not watch this yeah. movie. Oh, in their yeah. defense, they put disclaimers all over everything saying it was not a children's movie. Yeah, but like I'm sure. Every, every published advertisement for it said it wasn't a kid's movie. So they did what they could. <laughs> Right. <laughs> Though I'm sure plenty still did. I'm here's, sure they did. Here's my deal with Sausage Party. When the trailers first came out, I was like, this is going to be freaking hilarious. I was pumped. And there were funny scenes in it. There were definitely funny scenes in it. But I think that a lot of the best ones were, were in the trailer. Honestly, here's my, my biggest issue with it. It became like this kind of attack on religion. It did. And it oh, became yeah. this. I forgot it, about they, yeah, they were the like, underlying message. They, there was like, you know. Whether you believe, don't believe, and this or that or whatever, I just don't like movies that like shove their propaganda in your face. Yeah, and this movie did that, and then some, and it it started giving me an attitude towards the movie while yep. I'm watching the movie. Agreed. So because I'm pissed at the movie, I'm probably not even laughing at some of the stuff that's actually really funny. Right. Because I'm kind of got an attitude against it now. There were funny scenes for sure, and well, funny parts of it. Similar to the invention of lying, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Same premise. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, I, I looked it up on uh, uh, Google, or it's at 83 on uh, Rotten Tomatoes. Oh yeah, critics loved it. Uh, which so that's why it's like well, I feel like I got to watch this. Yeah. It's getting critical. No, I thought praise. it was. I thought it was yeah. pretty terrible. Um, I didn't think it was terrible. I just thought it was just whatever. You know. Uh, it, well. I thought a lot of the jokes were like real obvious though, and they like were. really easy. Like so many like plays on like the foods and like the sure, you know and, like a lot of like kind of fun. easy. I mean, some of it was, like I said, like, some of it was funny. I just didn't like the 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 shoving your message and and there was some obvious. I don't know a lot of simple jokes. I thought some clever jokes, sure. but most of it was really simple. I thought. But you know, it's like in Zootopia where they're like, "Hey, the elephants in the room." <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. But that was funny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See, I think that's simple. Zootopia was way better than I did like Sausage Zootopia. Party, by the way. I did like Zootopia. I did watch Zootopia a second time. It's actually on Netflix right now. Oh, is it? Yeah, it is. Yeah, that's a good yeah. movie. Uh, anything else? Uh, I have uh, a eight part series on PBS that came out called Soundbreaking. Have you all heard of this? No. no. Okay, if you have Apple TV, it is available for you to watch. I have yet to figure out how else you can get your hands on it yet outside of watching PBS, which I don't think a lot of people do unless they don't have cable. 
Um, and I keep deleting stuff, and this really sucks. Let me get to it again. Dude, Why do you is... keep all of your stuff in your deleted folder and then I'm delete an... it again? I'm an idiot. All right, so here's the, <laughs> here's the write-up for it. Okay, so Soundbreaking is an eight-part, in-depth look at the art of music recording and how it's evolved. From the Beatles' groundbreaking use of multi-track technology to the synthesized voice, Steve, ugh, to the synthesized stylings of Stevie Wonder, from disco-era drum machines to the modern art of sampling. All right, so for you two who work in radio, work in music, have an appreciation for production, mm-hmm. and you know, I don't really know how much y'all have worked in making a record, even. Um, but I'm, I'm guessing you at least have an idea how it works, right? right you know? Yeah, yeah. Y'all, this is an amazing, amazing eight part. Is no, it? If you, I mean, if you love anything about awesome. music, which I know you do, yeah, y'all are gonna love it. <laughs> and it's all about the sound, like what you hear when it comes to a song. And it's not just lyrics, because I've always sucked at listening to lyrics, but I am been very well rounded when it comes to hearing all the parts of a song. And they break down this stuff. They talk about, you know, the Beatles. Um, Sergeant Pepper and Lonely Hearts Band, Sound, mm-hmm. uh, Pet Sounds. Those are the groundbreaking breaking awesome. stuff where it really breaks out into eight tracks, 16 tracks, yeah. 24 track. Now, Infinity, it goes into the disco era, or I'll just say more like synthesizers and stuff like that. But this is only the, electro- the electronic portion of it. That's just one of the episodes. When it does talk about the, the vocals, the pure singers, the Urdells, Aretha Franklins, um, you know, you know style, styles like that, it talks about. Um, I guess just coming out from really okay. If you've been to uh, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, yeah, I have. Amazing, I have not. yeah, it's awesome. Not, okay, so Brandon has, Rachel hasn't. The buildup in that uh, museum mm-hmm. is amazing. I spent five hours in there by myself. Oh yeah, and I could spend three more. Oh yeah, I loved it. So there, there's like uh, seven parts I think to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and the first two or two I believe are you know the country blues and gospel all yeah. coming together into one right. and it all meets at Elvis Presley. Yeah. And then, so that's the third part of the rock hall of fame. You open up in this room and it's just Elvis everywhere. And it's, yeah. it's, you really realize the impact that he had on, you know, the history of music or in the last 100 years. Right. Right. Uh, then it, the next room is the Beatles and the Rolling Stones. And it kind of goes from there. And they sort of do a little bit of this too, where they touch on, you know, uh, gospel blues and country and um y'all it is awesome if you can get your hands that's cool on yeah, I, yeah. I really this, want to watch that this now. series it's awesome yeah, i loved I love it. it my sister ran across it and uh, told me about it and so i've been checking it out and man they play great music throughout it and they don't just stick to one genre and they do a very good job of transitioning from one genre to the next when you before you even have a, you realize it's coming Pretty cool, pretty cool stuff. And, you, I mean, they're playing stuff from Stevie Wonder. Yeah. I mean, they hardly even touch Michael Jackson, but he's going to come up. They just got to oh, Madonna nice. on this fifth nice. episode. Uh, but then you kind of backtrack to, you know, just just other great stuff that you – maybe where your parents grew up listening to. I got my dad to watch the first episode of it, too. And he, he was like, oh, yeah, I recognize that. We just knew that back in the 50s yeah. or whatever. Are we yeah. talking about uh, Phil Spector. Oh, yeah. Or yeah. Like, you know, the Wall of Sound. Yeah. yeah. Um, so these actual producers who you know, maybe I should probably know more about. But it was just so cool when it for someone who just sucks at lyrics to see – for someone to point out the the producer's role in music, and really yeah. it's the it's like the director's role in movies. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That so it's it's like that's the guy doing it, and it's not all just the musician. Always, yeah. I'm gonna watch um, this. Really, it really amazing. cool. What's it called? Sound sound breaking breaking. Yes, yeah, right. PBS. Watch very that. very good. Yeah. Little known fact: that was my major in college. Sound breaking. Yes. <laughs> what, what, what's, no, uh, it was a studio production. Really. So to be a producer, it's right up your alley. You'd, you'd yeah, I need it. to watch it. 
Yeah, I thought about y'all multiple times watching it. It was really cool. Yeah, no, I'm I'm absolutely going to watch it. I just made a note to myself, actually, to watch it. There's a whole part on it on um, Johnny Cash and his producer for his last album. Uh, and I, I'm sorry, I don't have his name right now. Um, he also did a lot of Beastie Boys. Really nice. And a lot of kind of out there, kind of maybe yeah. hard rock kind of bands. But then he kind of he likes to challenge himself, and so he gets a hold of Johnny Cash. Does that last album that he did? Yeah, um, where he did that hurt, you know. Yeah, mm-hmm. and really, this guy's very soothing, very calming. He kind of brings something out of Johnny Cash that he wasn't able to produce since like you know the '60s or '70s, maybe. Yeah, and uh, it was a really cool moment of the of the series. I'll say that's hmm. awesome. A lot of cool stuff in there. Yeah, nice. You have to check that out. Sound breaking. Even Dr. Dre, very cool part in there. Oh, oh well, yeah, yeah, he deserves it. They, if they you're talking about production all aspects, but they yeah, that little yeah, he, he, part yeah, to him. He, Absolutely deserves to be talked about. Uh, anything else? I'm. I think I'm. Um, I've talked about I'll all the very I quickly to say in a valley of violence. Uh, I went. And saw, I saw it at the theater. It uh, stars uh, you, uh, Ethan Hawke and um, John Travolta. Oh yeah, very indie film. So yeah. I go up to check it out at the theaters, and then I come home and realize it's also streaming. Ah, uh, oh, that sucks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's weird. <laughs> um, it's a, so it's a it's a western. It's uh, let's see. I'll just a mysterious stranger in a random act of violence drag a town of misfits and nitwits into the bloody crosshairs oh, of I revenge. Know this movie, yeah, uh, Ethan Hawke was was pretty good in it. That's the main reason I went to see it. Okay. And actually, John Travolta was okay in it. But James Ransom, Ransom, who we know as Ziggy in season two of The Wire, yes. is in it. Is awful. He brings the entire oh, movie down. No. Really? Oh, All he can play. Is annoying, right? Yeah, that's, that's all he's true. Really, ever been good that's at true. just playing annoying, and he should just only be a side character. And he's like a main character bad oh. guy in this, and he's just annoying. It's so infuriating. And actually, there's a lot of really corny <laughs> acting dialogue. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some, you know, it's a pretty raw movie by a no-name director. Uh, it was directed by Ty West. He wrote it as well. Yeah, you know, probably just getting you know started. He also wrote uh, and directed VHS, which I understand it's okay as far as horror right. movie goes. Yeah, it um, is. So, but man, there's some hammy dialogue and bad acting, and it's, I wouldn't waste your time with it. Okay, personally. that's good to know. That's good to know. But it's a 2016 movie, so uh, yeah, yeah. there you go. We're talking about then. Well, that is Pulp Fiction. Hope you've enjoyed it. It's nice to be back after a small little vacation. A lot of Oscar movies, a lot of Oscar hopefuls coming out. So in the next few weeks, expect to hear reviews of movies like La La Land and Manchester uh, by I the can't Sea. Wait for La La Land. Uh, I'm excited about quite a few that are coming out. No Fences as well. So what did you think of Moonlight if you saw it? Or maybe Loving, uh, a couple of the Oscar hopefuls that have come out already. Let us know on our Facebook page. We are Pulp Fiction. Thank you for listening.